In the Pantheon of Adventure movies, there are a few as legendarily batshit insane as Werner Herzog's Fitz Geraldo. This is both because of what Herzog manages to put on screen, the sweeping vistas, rapids, and indigenous Amazonian tribal life, and because of the absolutely insane lengths that Herzog went to filming it. Herzog set out to originally make a very different movie, one that starred Jason Robards and Mick Jagger. Jason Robards playing Fitz Geraldo, a charming Irish opera fan and failed railroad entrepreneur turned into a rubber baron in the early 1900s. This character, called Brian Sweeney Fitzgerald, is based off of the Peruvian rubber baron, Carlos Fitzcarald, who transported a dissembled seaboat over an isthmus. McJagger played his silly, simple sidekick, Wilbur. After failing to secure funding with the local elite, Fitzcarraldo sets out to create a rubber fortune, which he can use to finance a grand opera house, hoping to get Enrico Caruso to sing for him. His operatic dreams and the lengths he goes to achieve them drive him to the brink of insanity. However, Jason Robards got sick with dysentery five weeks into the film shoot and could not return to the Amazon. And McJagger had to go on tour and couldn't stay while Herzog sought out a new lead actor. Still, Herzog did not give up on the film, casting Klaus Kinski, the intense, stormy, and sometimes violent German actor who he had worked with in Nosferatu and Agare, The Wrath of God. Shoot with Kinski continued on as they plunged deep into the Peruvian jungle. Herzog would accidentally become a mesh in a war on the Peruvian-Ecuadorian border. Several indigenous Peruvian extras would die during the shoot. Nelson is one of the Aguaruna leaders who think the Indians should continue working for Herzog and his producer, Walter Saxer. The tribal council has put out a warrant for his arrest, charging him with treason. Death threats are being made against him and the film company. Nelson's mother is frightened. Someone gets speared after the set got raided by the Amahuaca tribe, and a crew member will be bitten by a poisonous snake and need his leg amputated. Zweimal beißt in eine Schlange und zwar eine Chuchupe. Das ist die, die gefährlichste Schlange von allen. Normalerweise dauert es nur ganz wenige Minuten, dann setzt Herzstillstand ein und Atemstillstand. Und der ließ die Säge fallen, die ging aus und überlegte fünf Sekunden lang. Und dann glaubte er seine Säge wieder auf, warf sie an, so ähnlich wie man einen Außenbordmotor anwirft und schnitt sich seinen Fuß ab. With only a chainsaw to remove it. Herzog eventually agreed to help the tribe keep the land they built the camp on at the end of the shoot. Herzog's relationship with Kinski was also extremely tense. The last time they had worked in the jungle together, Herzog had to hold him at gunpoint to complete the shoot. Kinski was intense, demanding, mercurial, and subject to constant tantrums. Herzog claims that things got so bad that he plotted to kill Kinski, and the natives offered to do it for him. 
am Schluss der Dreharbeiten, gegen Schluss, boten mir die Indianer an, dass sie den Kinski ermorden würden für mich. Sie sagten, sollen wir ihn töten für dich? Und ich sagte, nein, um Gottes Willen, ich brauche ihn ja noch zum Drehen. Lasst ihn mir, lasst ihn mir. Disease ravaged the set and took the lives of some of the native extras. And one man drowned after stealing a canoe on set. One of the most iconic and legendary parts of the film involved pulling a steamship uphill. The 320-ton steamboat was disassembled and Herzog set out to pull it up the hill without special effects. A feat for which a Brazilian engineer put together a complex pulley system, but then quit out of a fear that it would likely break and kill many of the extras. Martins quits. Herzog decides to continue without him. There is a possibility of 30%. 30% of the to do It didn't break and they successfully got the ship up the hill. But Herzog was willing to risk the fact that it might to get the shot. And so, the Fitzcarraldo shoot has become just as legendary as the film itself. For the depths that it drove Werner Herzog in the making of Fitzcarraldo. A man who, like Francis Ford Coppola on the set of Apocalypse Now, was driven as insane as his lead character in the jungle. Herzog leaves his sanity in the space between two rivers. The process was documented by Les Blank for the documentary he filmed simultaneously, Burden of Dreams. So, um... Low key in his presence said that I hardly ever noticed that he was around. Sometimes he's very slow. He's like a southern bullfrog sitting there and he needs a beer to brood behind and, and he doesn't talk and you don't know where is he with his mind. And he's like, and I always liked him for that. He's like a Bavarian, like me sitting at the table and brooding and having a, a stein of beer and, 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 and you just uh, see images, but he would not be, he would not be talkative. He was, uh, he wasn't even monosyllabic. He was zero syllabic. Fitzcarraldo has become one of the most controversial films ever made for the lengths that Herzog pushed the cast and crew to go to. And yet Herzog's career survived and lived on, partially at least due to the results. Fitzcarraldo is known for having some of the most breathtaking scenic vistas, dangerous and interesting shooting, and for getting into the depths of the Amazonian jungle on screen. This wouldn't even be the last time that Klaus Kinski and Werner Herzog worked together. They would collaborate on the 1987 German drama Cobra Verde, which shot in Ghana, Brazil, and Colombia. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. We also have a new Discord and a Letterboxd HQ account, so those are two more places to follow along with us. Links are in the description. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. Jay Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, Artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. 
Christina Oaks. This Barbie is streaming on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Billy Gould is a musician and producer. The basis for Faith No More. Worked on the soundtrack for the film The Eclipse with Jared Bloom. and is the owner of the Rakia company, Yabiga, a Balkan spirit. I, of course, am your host, Oranaco Forrest, the Amazon's greatest film podcaster. Let's get some Caruso <laughs> going out here. We're going to drag this podcast up over the hill. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it. <laughs> Billy, welcome to the show, man. So great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. And he's uh, right on the uh, he's right on the Klaus Kinski. Well, he was for a second there before you, before you changed the, the, before he, changed he the, the, the white uh, the white suit. <laughs> uh, what a maniac, Klaus Kinski! Can we just get that, that out of the way? Uh, and and you remember right? But I I rewatched so I, I only rewatched Fitzgerald. I watched Burden of Dreams immediately afterwards. And yeah, what a psychopath! Like great yeah, actor. Well, but I feel like I feel like this movie only works because there's a lead actor that's more insane than Werner Herzog. Like, because <laughs> if if the guy that was like in the beginning, like if the main character of this movie was like kind of a normal guy, you'd be like, you know, Werner Herzog's kind of crazy. Guy. But yeah. since he's probably yeah. like the one guy more frenetic and insane than he is, <laughs> you're like, oh, how did he put up with Klaus Kinski? It's like, wait a second, yeah, multiple I mean, people died on the shoot, and it was Werner Herzog pushing the whole thing. It was like, yeah, but he kind of had to deal with Klaus Kinski. Like, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. <laughs> have you seen that you it's a movie my best fiend yeah 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 that's what i mean that even gets even deeper and on the 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 the, the hatred and kind of how they kind of just stuck together well, well it's, they were they lived together as kids like yeah right uh, kinski was like a struggling artist that was like a really good he was like acting in plays and whoever uh ran the household that like his mother like um brenner herzog's mother was living in like uh, took him in, and then they ended up. Her his mother ended up kicking him out because because Klaus Kinski was such a fucking crazy animal, even at that age. That like, <laughs> right. like Get this fucking guy out of the house. I, I like that. At one point, they're like, "You want us to get rid of this guy for you?" Like, like it yeah. seems like it's a problem. Where like, "Whoa!" Like, how often? Is, like, your leading man. Like, they, you know, we. I mean, we can just make him disappear. It's it's the jungle, <laughs> right? I mean, well, there's the whole thing. The native, the native uh, tribes, right? Like, they showed their power by silence. Like, right. silence is a huge part of their thing. And to have someone like Kinski running in with this fucking German accent, screaming at everybody constantly, just you know. And I have a clip uh, that I'll play later of him literally screaming at the producer on set. And telling him to lick his ass and like <laughs> I, <laughs> uh i do that all the time by the way yeah. I'm not I, think, I, I don't know if it was the, the subtitles he might kick like i'll kick your ass he's like i'll lick your ass like it, it's <laughs> almost more unnerving if it's lick frankly if you ask me but um but yeah so like this guy this maniac came into the forest where no one had ever kind of screamed that way and like was screaming at everyone so they're like we we want to do you want us to like just kill this Screaming maniac that <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, the entire. He's clearly mentally uh, not there. So it's also like they hunt there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, they had to yeah. hunt for their own because they segregated the camps and they brought in all this like Western food for the you know the mestizo exactly uh, European yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was pampered a little bit compared to how everybody else was living, right? And they're just looking at this this entitled like you know prima donna. I'm sure they were just like well, like they would have been a pleasure. They have the, and one of the reasons I'm so glad we decided to bind this with Burden of Dreams for the discussion is because you learn so much in that. Like, okay, let's get, let's just bring a prostitute on set. It's easier if you have a prostitute. 
the, and the who priest. mentioned that? The, the preacher. Priest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the priest. I'm like, how is like as crazy and insane as this movie is? The the story of it being made is like equally as like crazy and yeah. insane. Yeah, and he did it because he didn't want to see people get hurt. Right. Precisely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was the better. It was. It was. It was the preperable way to go. It's yeah. yeah. Well, because he was saying that, like, uh, you know, if you have a bunch of guys that are just hanging around a camp, eventually someone's gonna get bored and go carousing and like go rape villagers. And it's like, right. is, is that what's eventually going to happen if you leave a bunch? Like, I. I mean, I would hope that you guys are not that crazy. That like, he's like, they would go, you know, rape rape the, the villagers. So it's a Catholic priest. They said you must you must get right. prostitutes. And it's like. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what we're going and on. Like, it's Werner Herzog saying it too. The, the most like calm, yeah. quiet German accent. <laughs> right. And you're like hanging on every word. And you're just like, quiet German accent. I can't believe such a thing is possible. It's I mean, very possible, yeah. It, it, like, there's a reason why. First of all, there's everybody has a Herzog impersonation and they're usually bad. Yeah. But <laughs> I love, like, have you ever seen the video where he like is watching people skateboard? And like, I, he, actually, I think I have. And he gets it. He's never seen people skateboard before, and he gets it immediately, and like immediately, like latches onto like what makes it in, like within like three to four seconds. Like he's a really fascinating dude, and like I, I, I like at one point he used to make narrative films. He just like stopped. I'm gonna make documentaries now. I'm bored of doing narrative films. <laughs> I, I saw the their... interview where he got shot, and he just kept going. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Maniac. I think that was right around the time he was doing the My Best Fiend, uh, like. Yeah interviews and someone came out i mean it wasn't a real it was an air like an airsoft, it was airsoft. yeah he was bleeding yeah. though <laughs> yeah <laughs> christina were you familiar with with the this at all in any way shape or form before uh knowing me i probably we probably discussed it i think in my german class because we were discussing like german <laughs> movies and sure like, yeah uh i i actually I'll, he was like there was this one movie he was like there's this movie called fitzcarraldo i'm like oh we're all you know, hell broke all. You know, broke out in the, on the set. He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm familiar with the the story about high and all that, but uh, yeah, but. it's almost like like the making of the movie overshadows the actual narrative, which is crazy, by the yeah. way. Like, but f for me, it's about pursuit of a dream, right? And, and that's right. And, and like like you mentioned in the in the intro for us that like there was a real dude. And he kind of sucked. Like he wasn't like this like awesome dreamer. He was like just another like rubber baron like a hole. But, but they did get they did get uh, Caruso to go into the jungle. I don't know if it was that guy that ended up doing it. Right. But there like there is this famous story where they did get Caruso somehow to make it into wow. the Peruvian jungle pretty much, and he sang opera like at this. Uh, wow. But it, I think I think that had more to do with the. Um, like the the Americans were like building some oil camp, like an oil field or something, and they got Caruso to come sing for them in the in the, I, I I heard that story though in like a completely different context, which is which is nuts because if you think like because I don't think this works because you get um like there's all the other just you know resource extraction jerks that, that that are down there right like like the guy my favorite is the dude who just like ha 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 and he like throws money into like the the fish pond and the fish eat the money and it's just and that's yeah. like high entertainment for this like, oh yeah it's a good time check all this money this fish ate what, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, there's, there's, an, there's an oil boom going on at the same time as like the rubber boom right there's two there's, different yeah. resource extractions going on in this, in this area which, which kind of syncs up perfectly with uh you know our, our conversation about the treasure of the sierra madre sure where they're having the oil boom at the same time as the gold boom right so this yeah. movie kind of they've already extracted i think all the gold you really can 
you know, from from the normal parts of like Peru, that area, right? Like when you know Cortez and all the like the Spaniards came and kind of started fucking pillaging everything. But at this point, they're like, well, we can, you know, everybody needs rubber because it's the beginning of the 20th century, yeah. and everybody needs oil. So there's like right. these multi, these multi extraction things going on where you know, and there's not even you know basic like labor safety anything, right? Like they're just you know pretty much throwing people <laughs> into the fucking yeah. into the extraction mines. Well, I, and so, but I think that it's notable that the Klaus Kinski character, that titular Fitzcarraldo, he's he's not, he's just, this is a guy that, like, he is really, really into opera, right? Like, yeah. and, and, like, to the point that when you first see this movie, you see him and uh, um, the incredible uh, Claudia Cardinale, just, they're in a boat, and you're like, why are they in this boat? Like, they're dressed up, but they're in this boat? And then you're like, they're going to the opera. What is happening? Like, already, like, two seconds in, you're like, I don't know what's happening already. Yeah, they're giving the horse wine. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the best wine, you got, too. You, you, got, you, got, you got to share. Yes. Uh, and, and then you're like, oh, they're in the jungle. And, and then, every, like, nobody believes in his dream except for her, too, by the way. And, and she's only tangentially interested. Uh, but like, more of money. Money. you know, that's, that's probably the reason he's gotta, he's gotta have skills in the bed. Yeah. That's all I got to yeah. say. Cause he's punching above his weight class <laughs> with her. Absolutely. Peace and love. Peace and love. Anyway. He's even like, Hey, I'll come on the boat. And he's like, no, he does not have to. And by the way, he's supposed to be boat. Irish and he does not even attempt to do like a, an <laughs> Irish <laughs> or like a, like, <laughs> it's, it's like, Cassie does, does, like, you're just going to uh, have, um, you know, German guy in there. He also sounds, no, he sounds almost like, he also sounds like Tommy Wiseau. He has like the Tommy Wiseau mumble mouth throughout well, this whole Tommy thing. Tommy Wiseau sounds like yeah. Klaus Kinski. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah, all right. But I'm saying like his like it's the same kind of like he kind of mumbles through the lines. Like every like every time you see him, he's like, "Oh no, I must have opera." And you're like, <laughs> "You're like, I'm gonna turn the subtitles on because even I know this is English, but." <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. I thought it was maybe dubbed in, you know, when you watch the film, it almost doesn't seem right. But then you're watching him film it in, in Burden of Dreams. And it's like, no, he really was acting, talking like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's how he sounds like a dub when he speaks English. So if I remember right, for sure. And Jason Robards, like you could not have a more different casting. Right. Oh, I know. Totally. I, and, and like, and first of all, he got dysentery, which I it was like, wow, I only remember that from the video game Oregon Trail. Someone actually got dysentery. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then who who's his like simple Jack sidekick? Mick Jagger. <laughs> and then they wrote that out because they're like, ah, oh, we don't need that. Which they that's fine. They have like enough characters. But like I was like, you see like I think one scene of Burden of Dreams of it, uh, and you're like, what is happening? Like what is <laughs> like what's he, yeah, is he meant to be they, mentally challenged? What's they they do the I love that they do the uh, I must have my opera house scene. Yeah, but but instead it's the the duo of Jason Robards right. and. Mick Jagger, and then he's like, "Well, Opera House." <laughs> and yeah, there's just two people shrieking at the top of this bell tower, and everyone's like, "What's going on? What's up with these dudes?" That's not, that's <laughs> I mean, you look at Klaus. I mean, the weight, the weight Klaus had—it was such yeah. a such a more deep role. I mean, yeah. in between yeah. those two guys, it wasn't even close. It's a, it's. That's I how think... I imagine Andy was though when he got onto the tower with all the cats when we were in the city. <laughs> yes, <laughs> about, to say, about to say he's just screaming from the yeah, top. Yeah, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> but Look at but, all these cats. But there is something about this film that I think, unless you have a performance that's that impassioned, like you don't believe it. Because because when you get the point of like, you know, ah shucks, fellas, guess we can't. Uh, I guess I guess we can't uh, bring this boat over to where it needs to be. And you're like, no, no, we're gonna. <laughs> To say like, well, um, the cow jumped over the moon, you know. It was like, and you're just like, yep, I believe that that dude would say that. And <laughs> Frankie I, I has no a question. Yeah, it, 
What, what's up, Frankie? Could this what? film be made today despite all the violations? <laughs> My God, from workplace standards alone, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, way. There's like, there's like a there's like a brief opening from like the 70s to the 80s where you could go to like a foreign country. I think the last movie that was able to do this was Cannibal uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Was it was that? One of those films that did that, that too, I think. The, but yeah, I think one of the last ones to do it was uh, Oliver Stone went into the, uh, the Philippines and oh, okay. he made Bug and Platoon. That was like really the last time you could really do that. And even he's like, yeah, that was right on the it's, edge. It's, it's never a good idea to go into like some jungle area to shoot a movie, it seems. It just doesn't seem like it, it doesn't seem like it ends well. I mean, the it product is. Herzog did it. Herzog did it four times with Klaus Kinski. With, with the most yeah. insane yeah. actor there. Yeah, yeah. You know, a gear wasn't a picnic to make either, Never right? Again. No way. Never well, there's, again. A, there's a story that he, he denies Brutal. that it happened, but there's a story that he pulled out a gun and like right. the movie was about right. to be finished and Klaus Kinski was trying to leave. And that's why they went so deep into the jungle this time. It's like, I'm not going to let Klaus Kinski leave the set. Uh, that was like one right. of the reasons. But like he, he apparently right. pulled out a gun or like had a gun on him and was like, listen, I am going to shoot you if you leave the set. We need to finish this film. We're like so close. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's an article that came out last week in, uh, I think, a Guardian about Klaus Kinski, the most evil man of the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Did you know about that? Did you read that? It's Where not, he said, Herzog said, yeah, I had a bull, I had a gun, and I was going to kill him. I said, I'm going to, I've got eight bullets for you, and I'm going to leave the last one for myself. I'm going to shoot myself after this. And <laughs> Klaus believed him, and he was okay to deal with towards the end of the film. And then they made another film together later, and and Herzog said he was much worse on this one, which. Yeah, the one at Cobra Verde, right? Yeah. That was the one. Um, yeah, yeah. He said he was worse. He he behaved worse well, brought, than he, he tried to Klaus kill him. To, they brought Klaus Kinski to Africa, which I feel like Africa's been through enough. But. <laughs> I mean, like, like uh, I actually, uh, my, my uh, kid was a friend uh, with a family of uh, immigrants from Ghana, and uh, uh, we were talking, and I brought up a... a, a <laughs> do, they, do they talk about the, the Great Kinski Massacre? <laughs> no. <laughs> but but the, my favorite thing, though, is just like, because uh, I mentioned that, that I used to work with a guy from Ghana, and he's like, I bet he was nice. Everybody from Ghana is really nice. And I'm like, you're right. They are. Okay. So I'm just like, man, what did the Ghana deserve to have Klaus yeah. Yeah, inflicted <laughs> on them? Yeah, good... inflicted on Because they are really are nice. He's also a monstrous pedophile, but only to his yeah, own. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. And I didn't completely. Yeah, that's it's horrific. I mean, just a horrific person. He's a horrible. Yeah, yeah. He probably he was really funny. Benefited from like meds, right? Like, I, I doubt that that guy ever got any like mental health care. But oh. like, there had to have been like I don't know if it's like like I'm not going to diagnose the guy, but like there has to be like severe emotional and mental disturbances going on in his head. Like even even in the descriptions of like sometimes he's fine, other times he's like a whirlwind, and it's like oh, yeah. that seems like someone that like now you could probably. Put on meds and like maybe they turn out to be more normal i mean you probably lose that like artistic edge but still like you wouldn't have to terrorize everybody he comes in contact with on multiple continents on three different continents absolutely so uh what do we think uh billy billy when did you see this because you saw this like sometime back oh right? you know geez i saw it in the 80s you know yeah. uh at the roxy theater and uh i seen it i saw it a few times i haven't seen it since then uh until this week actually and uh i, I also saw burden of dreams and i seen my best fiend and and it's interesting seeing it now after this many years i actually like it better in some ways i mean it's almost like a right. One of these, like, like you know, precursor to reality TV. It feels kind of real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? 
I, I, it's really there's a certain experiential part of it. It's like you, you kind of feel the, the the sweat and the bugs and the shit. You know, it's not glamorous at all. Yeah, I think that's what makes Burden of Dreams so interesting. Is that for me, it is one of the best movies about making a movie that I've seen because it doesn't. It it, it isn't just like oh, here's all the safe. It's like, like, no, this is terrible. There was like, you know, like there was like internecine conflicts. There's like, like everything yeah. about this. You're, you're like, you're like, just stop. Just, just, just go home. Just, just like, yeah. it's, no, it's enough. Nobody would, nobody but like Werner Herzog would care, right? Like yeah. if he stopped, like, yeah. it's not like, it's not like the film publications would be like, oh, wow. He's given up on his dream, I guess. Like right, no, right. nobody knew that this was, he was trying Herzog's to keep it on yeah, <laughs> and oh, he doesn't really glamorize nature very much. He really—it's really a chaotic, horrible, like thing, you know. And in a lot of his other movies, it's the same way. It's this kind of chaotic, really malevolent force, you know, that you kind of people love but they shouldn't, you know. It's a there's so many great Herzogisms in Burden of Dreams, like when he's just like in like opining, like like not even like to be on camera, but just literally articulating his thoughts, right? And there, there's this, the one. Oh god, let me, let me. I'll try to find it. But like, it's it's so like, it's so absolutely and completely undiluted <laughs> for Herzog, where he's talking about like uh, uh, the um, oh god, what, 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 the the the, the, uh, the nature is uh, erotic according to Claus, and it's not erotic. It's it's uh, it's, it's it's not eroticism. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. vulgar. It's barbaric. Yeah, yeah. Vile. Like and, even the birds scream. I, I just like. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to actually find the quote so we don't have to like just try to remember it on the fly. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 good. It's a little novel. Shiza, <laughs> that was probably something they said. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think that it's 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 uh you know like you know like I you know I, we're we're talking about um he doesn't want to like live in a world without lions or without people that are like lions. It's like crazy. Yeah. Like that's so, and it's, it's so evocative. It's just like, um, no, he says, I think he says he's like, uh, I don't want to live in a world without lions or people that are like lions. And then he's like, and these people, they are, they are lions. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, yeah. I don't, they're, they're just, they're people, dude. Like, you know, there aren't even <laughs> lions here. Like there's not even lions in South America. <laughs> yeah. He's almost like his alter ego. Right. Yeah. Overwhelming and collective of, he's murder. Kind of the insanity that that, that that Herzog keeps together, kind of like Herzog. Kind of, I mean, uh, Kinski kind of gets to be the guy that's, you know, Herzog's like inner guy. You know. So yeah, is, said, there's no harmony in the rational. universe. We have to get acquainted to this idea. There's no real harmony as we've conceived it. I'm not gonna do the voice. I'm sorry. But when I say mm -hmm. this, I say this in full admiration for the jungle. It is not that I hate it. I love it. I love it very much. But I love it against my better judgment. It's yeah. Like, oh God! What, like what? Just offhandedly poetic, you know? Like what? What a guy! Oh great! So this this is uh... this is, this is the uh, this is the Kinski uh, producer fight. Oh yeah. Und das schreie ich nicht! Und du sagst es mir nicht, aber ich schreie aber nicht. Leck mich doch am Arsch! Der Moment ist überhaupt gekommen, wo ich dir in die Fresse haue. Was? Diesmal schlage ich in die Fresse, darauf hörst du dich verlassen, du. Diesmal sitze ich im Kostüm in deiner scheiß Karre in Holland. Mach zu, mach zu. Trau dir nur. Ich schlage dich zusammen, Trau du. Trau dir nur. Wenn du zu frech wirst. Trau Dieser nur. Streit hier, nebenbei mitgefilmt, betraf den verdienstvollen Produktionsleiter Walter Sachser. Zufälligerweise war ich einmal nicht gewinnt. Eure mit eurer Freundschaft. Ich möchte dir einen Dreck. Wir brauchen einen Fotografen. Verstehst du? Dann mach doch deinen Scheiß. 
Der Anlass war vollkommen nichtig und ich selbst griff erst gar nicht ein, weil Kinski im Vergleich zu anderen Ausbrüchen eher milde wirkte. Ich arbeitete einfach am Aufbau der nächsten Szene weiter. Von, von jetzt kriegst du überhaupt nichts mehr zu ja, Du musst ja nicht pressen. Du musst es ja nicht pressen. Riss, was du willst. Das ist ja schlimmer wie ein Zuchthaus, du Arschloch. Du willst mir bestimmt mal nicht zu fressen, Krieger? Das werden wir erleben. Das ist nichts. Das auch ein Buch. Möchte nicht. Sein Geisteskranker. Er glücklich, sein Geisteskranker. Schaff den weg hier. Amazing. Kriegst du nichts mehr zu fressen? Kannst du deine eigene Scheiße fressen? Das Wahnsinn. Er sagt zu mir, kriegst du selten. Das folgt dieser Idiot. Das ist der Wahnsinn, Mensch. Hier muss man nicht mehr die Fresse, die muss man einsperren, weil du nicht mehr normal bist. Vollidiot. Okay. Pass mal auf, du. Ich mache Wirbel in Amerika. Pass mal auf, du. Ich sage noch nicht zu Ende, dumme Sau. Hast du so ein Arschloch? Hey, Lucky, so ein Arschloch ist verantwortlich für deine Produktion? Mir zu sagen. Überhaupt nichts. Aber überhaupt nichts. Es ist Tierst überhaupt nicht für mich. Nimmst, nimmst es, wie du es willst, aber ich sage, du sollst dich bitte benehmen wie ein Mensch hier. Ja? Das ist Und nicht rumbleiben. Leck mich doch am Arsch, Mensch! Wir drehen einen Film! Und wir werden dich auf deinen Platz zurückverweisen, wo du hingehörst, du Idiot! Na, dann quatsch mich nicht an! Schreiereien wie diese waren allerdings ein wirklicher Schrecken, ein wirkliches Problem für die Indianer, bei denen Konflikte ganz anders gelöst werden. I, I love that you must act like a human around here. Du bist so bescheuert, dass du dir nicht mal über die Konsequenzen klar bist. So bescheuert bist du. Du wirst die Konsequenzen, die daraus gezogen werden, scheißegal. Ja? Das weiß ich, dir ist alles scheißegal. Es sind doch die Leute immer scheißegal gewesen. Okay, immer. Bist du mir scheißegal. Immer. Apologies to our podcast listeners who just hear a bunch of yelling in German and don't understand any part of it. But it's Klaus Kinski going off. That's, 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 that's what that entire... Yeah, you, that, you, clearly, you clearly see how like Germans could like work themselves up into like supporting like a Hitler. You know what I mean? Like in those moments. <laughs> no, because it, it's like the, no the frenetic the frenetic energy that comes out of just Klaus Kinski, who's uh, not a man that anyone ever followed to do anything. You know what I mean? Right, like, they're right, always right. angry. Is is just it pours out of him to such a level that like you could you could see how like uh, an entire stadium full of that. Could be like, oh shit, like yeah, they're gonna they're gonna like genocide. I, I think it's funny when people are like, oh, the German language, but I'm like German. I'm like, Spanish sounds cool, French sounds romantic, and Germans we're just loud. <laughs> it, it blends there's, itself. There's no, there's no positive like, oh, the German language is so interesting. I'm like, it's it, I'm like it, it it's what English is based off of because we get the, it's, the it's language from the German. The German language, it is not, you know, it is it is very. Uh, this is this is the part where she talks about German. <laughs> There's a lot of hard consonants. It's a hard sounding language. And we don't acknowledge the letter C or Y. <laughs> What's the letter C? I don't know her. I just know K. <laughs> See her. I barely know her. <laughs> but getting back on track, I mean, I think it's it's notable that the, the actual narrative of this movie, there's not like too much to it. He wants to bring opera to the jungle. Right. Like you want, like, it doesn't make any sense, but that's what he harder wants than, to do. Harder than you think. Harder than you think. These it, these days, it seems like you could just bring an iPod or something. But no, back then. <laughs> well, I love you see so many scenes that they have, like, that was a Victrola. Is that what you call it? Like, and it's like yeah. on the ship when it's like being around in the rapids, like everywhere he goes. And and honestly, something I noticed this time, every time he plays Caruso, things get better for him. 
Did you guys ever notice that? Like every time he's actually like it actually oh like that things actually got better for once as opposed to like the endless trail of misery that is. Well, like he plays it on uh he plays it as the ship is going down like you know what I mean they throw yeah. it into the rapids and they survive like yeah they survive I, yeah. yeah I thought yeah. they would play near my God to thee you know like a Titanic situation but <laughs> my heart will go <laughs> on. Caruso, yeah. Works, yeah. yeah. My heart will go on. <laughs> <laughs> well and and and. It's also doubly insane that the actual ship there's so there's two of them right there's the one that was in the water and there's one the one that they raised up uh, over the hill and to have an actual ship be going through the rapids is and I think there's like two or three small scenes that, that you and you can tell it's it's a model but like they literally did multiple takes of like okay it bashed into the to the rock too quickly can we do that again which yeah. is like yeah. what. <laughs> <laughs> and they were doing that at the same time that they had um, like a team of people designing the pulleys. And Herzog is like, because uh, in Burden of Dreams, at least, like the way they cut it, I mean, I assume chronologically that's how it was. Like, uh, he's like, all right, well, while they're designing like a new set of pulleys for us to pull us up the hill, the one of them, let's take the other ones into the rapids and do like a dangerous shoot. It's like, dude, yeah. you're really, you're, you're, you're testing the universe. Like, <laughs> well, and that's why the guy, the, the engineer quit. We, he's like, yeah, it's about a 30% chance it'll, it'll work. It's like a 70% chance of catastrophe. That's right. Which is, <laughs> he's like, I think I'm out, guys. <laughs> Everett Hartzler's like, I like those odds. You have smiles upon me. The thing that I fucking hate that they do at Burden of Dreams, they don't, um, when the ship goes downhill, right? Like they show that scene, mm -hmm. they show the filming of it. They don't tell you like the guy was faking it. Uh, when the ship crushes him, right? And they let, right. They let oh, you yeah, they let yeah. in there in suspense for like a minute, and then he pops up and he's like, hey, and everyone's like around, and they're like, Yeah, and you're like, Okay, well, you guys didn't say like this guy, like this guy was you know acting, like, yeah. And they also <laughs> mentioned in the documentary, Oh, well, you know, there were these deaths and this and that, and, and like, you know, also right. like that, Werner Herzog, because he's like. I felt it was somewhat misleading, like you know, because it's because <laughs> it does make it sound like you know, yeah, that people died on set and people died around the production, but it wasn't specifically because of those things. And there are characters that die that the, the actual yeah. actor did. That's right. It's like what two kids stole a boat? I think if I yeah. remember correctly, and well, then I like think, a plane think, crashed. And I mean, yeah. it's a, yeah. a plane crash. Did they didn't. They didn't die. Six people were in critical condition. Oh and wow. That, and that's the day. That's the day that Kinski decided to have his biggest meltdown. And I have a clip where. Uh, oh really? Later yeah. When I'm looking. Well, I was doing research it. into but, Klaus. I was like, oh, the shit yeah. he, he did to his he, he didn't like yeah. that the attention was off of him. Uh, for like for, for the plane crash. Pretty Madonna. <laughs> so he went full like uh, Jenna from Thirty Rock and had like a giant meltdown. Movie about needs to coffee. be about me, me only. Yeah. Um, so there was that. Then they also had two people get uh, arrows that they had to literally sure. in the middle of the jungle because yeah. they were afraid of a different uh, like troop. Because the the entire thing is that um, the the tribal waters were really low that entire time. So yeah. like the the turtles that they all ate, like the eggs or whatever of at least the other tribe, were on the territory of like the shooting. So they went onto the territory. And they're like, oh, there's people on this territory. Chucked arrows at them. And then the the natives like that uh, that were working for big arrows got yeah, into yeah. a boat and they went to go try to raid the other camp and didn't find it and he's oh, like wow. thank God that would have been like an actual tribal war that we would have right kind shit. of set off by doing this so like there's all this fucking shit going on at the same time the water's being low though I think probably um, I mean it caused that but it probably helped out with the, uh, the the fact that you know the ship had to go through like dangerous rapids uh, and like I assume that it was a little more chill than like if it was the full 
the full fucking, uh, you know, like wet season. Well, and there's that whole like he waited to do that one shoot because he's like, oh, it's like we will just shoot it, you know, next next week. And then like it was like a historically dry season that like yeah. it was like strand the boat was like stranded on like dirt and for the wrong reason, the wrong time for like a long period. Of time. Like it's just like anything that could have gone wrong really could have right. And that's sort of where uh, Christina was. You that mentioned Tropic Thunder was it was a yes. I feel like that's like the funny version of this. Hearts of Darkness, uh, you know, like all of those kinds of like, oh, these. We should cover that one time too. It's uh, people say it hasn't aged well. I'm like, yes, it has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we did we did a Tropic Thunder episode, but we can do it again because I think it was just me that was on that one. Yeah. 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 That that was that was so early on. It was yeah. This uh this table that everything's on. This table fell in the middle of shooting with all my equipment on it. And I had to, I was holding up on this the table. Like it was literally a Tropic Thunder kind of moment. Like literally, <laughs> like, I, was trying, it, I was holding up this table with my laptop and my camera and everything on it. Trying it to really fix did it. make me because I because I did watch Tropic Thunder for 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 this movie because of the fact that you know a lot of <laughs> it did because it does it does parody these type of movies yeah, where people yeah. would go to foreign countries on vacation and and like for for filming and stuff like that. And you know how it kind of you know well me even mentioning mick jagger doing his simple jack right that's from tropic thunder (laughs) which is just like you know you never go full uh... you kind of have to watch like even though like if you want to watch bits for auto buy sub it's like you should watch platoon and all these other movies where there's you know instances of you know these you know films being set in foreign countries where we really shouldn't be filming at but but you can skip anaconda which does actually steal a line from this movie platoon is um (laughs) Platoon is particularly interesting because uh, it was literally Oliver Stone trying to do his version of Apocalypse Now, like, you know, with his own stories and stuff. Yeah. But he was like, I'm going to go to the, the Philippines the same way that, you know, that uh, that that <laughs> Copa did. And I'm going to be in the middle of the jungle in the Philippines, like the same area. And it's also gonna be borrow, great. I'm built borrow, different. Uh, borrow Bong <laughs> Bong his father's military helicopters. And yeah, yeah. he did all the same, uh, you know things that's like the end of when you could do this though like really like when you could go into like a foreign country and there would be like like no semblance of that kind of law i think yeah and then eventually they wised up right like maybe we shouldn't be letting these georgia instead all right, I, I'm going to throw this out. We forgot to do this earlier. Stevie, yeah. uh, fan of the show, says, if I don't make today's show, I'd like to say this is one of the few podcasts I actually enjoy. Thank you, oh. us too. I got my first cassette when I was five. Five, really? Which Whoa. was Faith No More. And it started my lifelong love for music. Thanks, Billy. So there you go. Oh. Cassette at five. Yeah, cassette at five. That's, Boy, that's, that's, that's intense. That is intense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's more intense than than uh, when the uh, Gulf War started. I um, The only anti-war song I had was... Uh, um, <laughs> did you get from there to there? <laughs> I, I'm going to bring it home, baby. Um, the only anti-war song I had was uh, War Pigs on, on uh, Epic. And I just kept playing and rewinding and playing and rewinding because, uh, you know, it, it made me feel better. <laughs> During the, uh, okay, this okay sure yeah. right. we'll have to, we'll have to, I, I learned something for, when someone says something like this I took this off Steve Albini which you say is I believe you and then you move on mm-hmm. I believe you I believe you wait so I think this is I think this is the the clip of uh, please Herzog. if we have a clip yes for, <laughs> yes thank you Herzog talking about uh, Kinski the jungle Naturgefühl. <laughs> Er hat sich da immer hineinstilisiert und ich glaube auch, dass alles, was er vom Urwald erzählt hat und wie er ihn empfand, war weitgehend Pose. Er fand das alles immer erotisch 
Aber er hat sich dem Urwald nie genähert. Wir waren ja monatelang in einem Camp im Urwald, so wie hier ganz nahe von hier. Er ist aber nie auch nur einen einzigen Schritt in den Urwald hineingegangen. Er ging nur ein einziges Mal hinein, vielleicht 50 Meter, wo ein umgestürzter Baum lag. Und da musste der Fotograf mit ihm mit und musste hunderte von Fotos machen, wie er sich in inniger Umarmung mit diesem Baum befindet, wie er sich mit dem Baum kopulieren zeigen musste. Und alle diese Posen und Attribute waren viel wichtiger. Er kam auch zum Beispiel daher mit... Hochgebirgsausrüstung, das war wichtiger als das Gebirge. Sein Kampfanzug, der Gefleckte, der von Yves Saint Laurent geschneidert war, war wichtiger als der Dschungel. Ich glaube auch, dass Kinski in der Hinsicht und auch in mancher anderen über ein gerütteltes Maß an natürlicher Dummheit verfügt. Amazing. Like Kinski glaubte manchmal allen Ernstes, ich sei wahnsinnig. Aber das stimmt natürlich nicht. Ich bin ja ganz gesund, sozusagen klinisch gesund. Trotzdem ähm, meinte er vielleicht etwas Bestimmtes. Wir waren zusammen ja wie zwei kritische Massen, die eine gefährliche Mischung ergaben, wenn sie in Berührung kamen. Etwas, was hochexplosiv wurde. Ich war nie, äh, sicherlich nie wahnsinnig, aber vielleicht nur sehr zornig. Das ging so weit, dass ich äh, eines Tages allen Ernstes plante, einen Feuerüberfall auf ihn und sein Haus zu verüben. Das wurde damals nur vereitelt durch die Wachsamkeit seines Schäferhunds. Aber in dem Fall war es so, dass er damit verglüht war, wie ein Komet. Er war nicht mehr da hinterher. Hinterher war er Asche. So habe ich das empfunden. Und er hat auch so etwas Ähnliches damals gesagt. Er hat gesagt, wir können nicht mehr weiter, ich, ich bin nicht mehr. Wow. That's a, it's the kind of thing that makes you both want to and absolutely never want to see a biopic about Klaus Kinsey. Yeah. <laughs> who could play him? There's no, there's no one. There, there was this one story. I don't know one... him after what I found out about when he, how he oh sexually molested his daughters. Horrific. Horrific. Yeah. There, there's this one story uh, that apparently he was writing like the, the Kinski autobiography or whatever, like his, you know, his memoir. Mm -hmm. And he sat with Werner Herzog and they came up with extra stories about like them like going after each other. So he had like entire chapters of this, at least according to Herzog, this is after he died. So who knows? But he had whole chapters of the book about like how much of a bastard and how much he hated Herzog that were just written by Herzog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Book, have you have you ever read his book? No, it's very hard to find. It goes for like two, three hundred bucks on eBay. You can find one every once in a while, but it is supposed to be just brutal, just like a rotten, rotten piece of literature. He said, uh, he said, he said nobody will buy this book ever if if I don't um, if I don't have like a lot to say about how much I hate Herzog. And Bruno Herzog oh was like, God. "All right, I'll sit down." So they sat there and they wrote out like all this stuff about these diatribes about. How much of a psychopath he was! Wow, that's uh. You know about the guy who lost his finger, by the way, in, in uh, Fitzcarraldo, right? Oh, was that one of the actors? Yeah, uh, Kinski shot a gun into a tent where everybody was sleeping, and the guy lost his finger. I didn't know about that one. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! <laughs> he just that's shot into a group full of people. Yeah, for no laugh. reason. That's horrific. They're in like. <laughs> they're in like. I, honestly, I mean, if I was lost the finger, and that's. Him. Him. He's I was, got I was, lucky. 
I would they're like, in, like, they're in, like shining path fucking uh like the the era totally. where it's like a like civil yeah. like civil war going on pretty much. I think like so I don't think anyone could sue like I don't think there's a court where you could really go and be like, listen, I'd like to sue this German man that probably is getting on the plane to leave while you're Take Klaus Kinski into the Hague. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see the judges being like, you know, normally, yeah, we wouldn't do this, but but for for him, we're gonna make a special. Exception. Yeah, yeah, big fan, big fan. We're gonna, hours of her talk testimony that's just like, this is when I realized he was basically Adolf Hitler. <laughs> I need to deport this man to the Hague. I I wouldn't do this normally either, but I need to tell you. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a, yeah, wow. What hey, a girl, hey. I, so, uh, okay, so this is a comment, Andrew, in the, in the chat. First time I heard of Herzog was when I watched Grizzly Man. That brings up a good point because even for me, uh, uh, noted cinephile Kona Neutron, I came to his documentaries first and went back to. Kind of file than uh, Klaus Kinski was, right? Like, okay, enough, enough. That's enough of that. <laughs> uh, like, I knew his, his documentaries first and went back, like, back to the, to the narrative. I was, I was like, oh, he did narrative films? Crazy. Like, I, I had no idea because I was like, I just knew Grizzly Man. And then, you know, of course, everybody's like, his voice is so distinctive. He had that great one of volcanoes. Uh, there, there's like uh, the one with oh, the, yeah. the monks that are texting and stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of like great documentaries he did. And I was like, oh my God, like he did, narr he got, he did narrative movies and he got bored of doing it and basically decided to start doing documentaries. Crazy. Have, there's, you, there's, seen yeah. Have you seen no. the Green Ant's Dream, the Australian one? Yeah. It's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. It's and it's and it's amazing because like so many people can't do one of those things well but he like pretty really effortlessly pivoted and like you know it's like he became one of like the great document even though like there's things like like the one i think the um the volcano ones like the end he just does a little like he just wanted to talk about cargo cults he just like yeah, there's yeah. no reason for it to be there he's wanted to talk about it and it's his movie you know yeah one one I'll probably never watch all of but like that i was listening to him talk about is the uh Casper Hauser one where he literally that was a great um, movie. Where he found he found the kid like Casper oh, Hauser is like the famous kid yeah. that was kept in a basement and like yeah. got murdered and like nobody really knows his story and he found a kid that basically mirrored the life of Casper Hauser like it's <sighs> the one movie he starred in and the kid was also like mentally kind of uh, like <sighs> I guess we probably say autistic now like he had like severe you yeah. know, learning and like verbal stuff so like he got this kid to like star in like this one movie and it's the the story of Casper Hauser. This is one of many reasons why when he showed up in that Star War with the Mandalorian, it was like, they brought Werner Herzog in a Star War? <laughs> it was like, that's amazing. I can't, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly uh, was better than that Jack Reacher movie he did with uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh my God. I, and he, he's, like, he's not very particular. He's like, you know, he's, 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 he's like, the funniest thing. Yeah, exactly. I can take some money. <laughs> Yeah, the two. So I saw him. I saw him first doing Grizzly Man. I watched it in a um, in a in a like a documentary class. The same one that uh, the same one where we watched American movie. Uh, that that's the documentary. Class. And Grizzly Man is so tough because like the the main guy is like so annoying, and you're just like, yeah, oh my is. god, he's dude, so, like he's, he's really he's so flamboyant. But but then I was cheering then, for the um, Bears the entire time, and I'm glad they won. <laughs> so, so then right after that, I was watching TV. I went to like I went on vacation to like Florida or something. Like my first vacation, like on my own, like exploring places. And they had a documentary about Agare, uh, you know, the Wrath of God on TV. So Is I like, how you say that? I I I think it's I, I thought it was Aguirre. Is that not? I, I, don't know, I, I, I think it's Aguirre. Oh my God! Aguirre. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three different. Um, but uh, <laughs> so they had. I listened. To, I listened to. 
I listened to Herzog say it, and he said like agare, but he had like the little he had like the, the little ger- the German tint behind yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like so I was watching, so I was watching uh, this documentary that was just detailing like Herzog's relationship with the midgets and Klaus Kinski, and so that was like the second big like Herzog thing that I saw. Have you seen uh, Herzog eats his shoe? Agire. I haven't. I heard movie. about it. Is it good? It's it's not for the shoe. It's what you want from it. It's <laughs> it's, uh, it's just Herzog like uh, ruminating on film while he's uh, preparing his shoe to eat. Because um, he made a bet with somebody like, that he lost, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah. So somebody he's like he's like I would eat my shoe if you make a movie, and the guy if you finish a movie, and the guy you know made him finish the movie. So before they aired it, um, he he cooked his shoe, um, and, and it was a leather <laughs> shoe, so you know it was it was edible. Um, and uh, he he's like eating and he's like he's like I will not eat the soul because it is like you know bones of a chicken. <laughs> that uh that scene was more watchable than the David Lynch panties video. Or he, come on. <laughs> but, but, but the entire time was just like him kind of like just just ruminating on on film and and what it's like. So so it's uh, actually kind it's of not really about the shoe. It's about the foot that is in the shoe and where it takes you. <laughs> Well, no, it's 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 like I said. I would highly recommend checking out the video where he he sees skateboarding for the first time, like because it's like he's cool. He's a guy that gets it immediately. Oh, by the way, I don't know why this reminded me. Brendan Canty says hello. By the way, Billy. Oh, cool. He was stoked. He was stoked that you were going to be on the show and says hello. Super. Uh, yeah, he wrote an article about living in L.A. too. He loves fucking L.A. He really loves L.A. He he likes going to Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. can, it's can amazing. You I read that. It's like this is that same. It's all part of the puzzle of Werner Herzog, right? It yeah. all fits together somehow. You're sitting there at the salad bar, like loading up on some whole paycheck <laughs> salad, and you're like, exactly. "Oh snap! It's Werner Herzog." Herzog does he, does he drive a Prius? That's the question. Oh yeah, good question. Yeah. I would just want to hear him ruminate about the salad bar, really. Right. The garbanzo beans are very tasty, <laughs> but if you load up on too much, you will get flatulence. Did they charge six dollars for a bottle of water? <laughs> I, I, I I walk into so I, I walk into Whole Foods. It is such a cornucopia. I did not know there were so many types of yerba mate. I, I see them all on the shelf. I don't even know what this is. But when I was in the jungle with Klaus Kinski, we we drank yerba mate fresh fresh from a a uh, a coconut, a little coconut. <laughs> They call it Whole Foods, but the proletariat calls it Whole Paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we think it'd be a little something like that. Thank you. Uh, Okay, so we've we've barely talked about the plot of this movie, which again is is I I think notable because his whole thing is he's gonna go get this get this rubber money, right? In order to do it, he has to go over this this two rivers, (laughs) his two rivers, and he has and there's this small intersection where he's like, oh, we'll just we'll just move over that. And that way we don't have to deal with these rapids, an isthmus. Thank you. Yes, uh, and and so you know it, it looks simple when you're looking at the map, right? Yeah, it looks easy. And and then I had, here's a part I had forgotten about. They go to the train station that he had set up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> for all the impending opera goers to just have a nice time at the train station and arrive. And the guy's been just hanging out there waiting for him to show up, and he clearly has forgotten all about him. Yeah, like, I love that line. It's like I, I thought you left already. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and he's been there the whole time attempting to, he's like trying to take care of the station while these tribes are like, what are you doing with this train? Like, they're like raiding him. They're like taking like the parts all the time. And this is, and this is crazy. So like kill the snakes. It's right, exactly. And it's this <laughs> tiny tableau in this much larger portrait of chaos where it's like, you could have a movie just about that guy. I'm just about that guy attempting to like maintain this train station with a train to nowhere. And then having like the, the you know the the god of that train show up just to like uh, we need some of these parts for a well, the boat. first the first scene you see uh, Caruso in when he's talking to him after yeah. he goes to the opera and there's that insanity where you're like what the fuck is he doing and they go into the opera and he finally like has his vision of Caruso uh, he's like oh you are you the Fitzcarraldo that um that tried to build the the, the railway that tried to build the railway here yeah, right and that's right. so you get a reference to it right? yeah like, yeah that's right but but like. <clears throat> I had forgotten just like you get to like hang out with him in that dude because it's a long movie, right? There, there's, a, there's a lot of that happens in it, but like crazy, crazy. That's just like one part of his, you know, that was clearly is a part of his larger scheme of bringing people, uh, bringing the opera to the jungle. Yeah, uh, and try to build up the, the town that he lives in, uh, which is the real town they shot it in. He's trying to build up this town into like a, a powerhouse, and there's all like the rubber, right. the rubber places, and nobody in the like the local elite there wants to really build it into like a real town. They're just like, no, we're just here for the rubber. We're gonna extract it and we're gonna move on. Right, and he wants to like basically make it a, a destination, look vacation location. I don't know like exactly what he's looking for, but he's gonna bring opera to the jungle. And and, and again, the real guy not as noble, but it's not about the real guy. It's about this 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 character and and the singular just insane laser-like focus on a dream and going to these completely absurd lengths to uh, achieve it and i think that's that's again there's a corollary to it that comes across the burden of dreams which is herzog making the movie is like sort of like there, there's parallels to all of that but it has to be said this has to be one of the greatest like practical effects uh films of all time right well i mean just, be. just just oh, the so. fact that they got the ship up the hill and watching burden of dreams having uh the mirror of like herzog not sure if they're going to be able to get the ship up the hill right. for all the same reasons that right. his, his character isn't sure if he's going to get the ship up the hill and it's like yeah. in both in both cases the uh yeah in both cases that's the um that's the point that like they're reaching in the end the the engineer like washes his hands of it and bails <laughs> He's like, I don't. It's, this, this is not gonna work. I'm out of here. I don't want to blame for this. You know, like amazing. It's 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 stunning. And then you get to see them do it, but you get to see them like actually do it, right? Like it's it's the rare case. Right. Of, it's like method right. stunt acting, <laughs> more or less, right? Like there's a real chance that everybody there going on those like big wheels to get the pulleys going and all that every single one of them were in actual danger yep it's crazy it, it, it's rare to see a movie where everybody could die at any second um for real and for real exactly yeah. that's right and it's very realistic. It's very believable. Even the guy at the train station who's waiting, like that's a that's actually a plausible situation. There were probably were guys like that, you know. It's very you don't think about guys like that and things like that at that time, but you know, the jungle's huge. There's all kind of like entrepreneurs doing failed schemes that were just like eking their way through, you know, and, and it's it's fascinating to see like you know, he he brought that kind of reality that's if you don't it, it it's more strange than fiction. It's cause it's completely plausible. 
Then you get the scope and scale, and the, and the senses of doing it in the actual jungle, too. So you get those vistas. Totally, like the, totally. There's that big overlook, and you get to see this, like, sweeping grandeur, <laughs> if you will. Like, I get it. Like, you wouldn't be able to have that if you if you just did it on a soundstage or you did it in, like, Pasadena. Which makes... Which makes <laughs> no, like, no, no, you couldn't. You couldn't. It wouldn't be the way. same. Yeah. Which makes for, like, a, uh, one of the uh, Roger Ebert, uh, you know, lines that he kind of got pilloried for in some circles because roger ebert was like um uh the vistas made like the death maybe worth it and people were like oh fuck i don't know if you should put it like (laughs) yeah 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 that's so tough that that's maybe not how i would have phrased that but i'm built different uh but i don't know like i mean uh, andy had had you seen this before I think I think I did whenever uh, we had IFC illegally um, for, for a while. <laughs> Straight death from the record. We would. Yeah, have you know, um, we, we moved into a place. The cable guy came in and goes, oh, I don't have the part to, to block IFC. So like or in a couple other channels. So like so. So you're getting it for free for uh, until I get the part in. And then he yeah. just never came back with the part. And like two years later, we got a new cable guy and he just shows up and he's like, oh, hey, you're missing this part. Pops it in. And I, I uh, stopped getting uh, IFC at that point. So. Oh, man. <laughs> see, see, my dad just uh, slipped the cable guy a fifty dollar bill, and then suddenly we had on the pay channels. So. Oh, yeah! If I knew it, that's that's how it worked. Uh, I would have done that. <laughs> that's it to say how my dad worked it. I'm not saying it's the way to do it. <laughs> One of those got. things that might have been uh, easier in the past, though. Like now they, yeah. now they, now they track that shit for sure. Um, mm. This, this is uh, this is Ebert talking to uh, her talk about the what makes like the boat going up the hill such a majestic shot. Oh, fantastic! I love it. In, in film after film, you welcome, in Fitzcarraldo, you decide, having already told us that you fictionalize something, documentaries, mm-hmm. you make a fiction film, which literally is showing us the truth. You are actually moving the boat across the land, even though any other director in the world would have done it with models. The so-called plastic solution, which was offered to me, by the way, by, by Hollywood people who were interested in it. But it's but I, like this is a, like a spiritual quest. Each film is like a test or a a a situation in which the, the, the filmmaking itself, not just the film, but the filmmaking is part of the test that you set yourself. No, it 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 doesn't really count what, what the challenge was during the making of the film. The only thing that's that counts is what you see on the screen. That's the only Thing that remains the only maybe thing what you counts. see on the screen is enhanced by what the actors and the crew are really doing maybe when maybe you they... sense you sense something that that is that is more than than just shooting in a in a studio mm-hmm. when you see Akiri on, on on this raft with 450 monkeys and they bit like hell i got bitten 50 times there were only the cinematographer <laughs> and me on on board that raft and i did the sound so uh I was defenseless because both hands were were somehow occupied with um, the, the the microphone and the, and the Nagra, and I got bitten all the time. And, and you just are not allowed to scream. You just try to shake them off. The, uh, You're the sound man, right? And the sound man. Your own. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think as an audience, you sense there is something that that that, that is going on there, which I, is I know which did. is different, but. Roger, uh, I, I have to say one important thing about the so-called plastic solution. Uh, uh, 
a little model uh, plastic ship over a, a studio hill in Burbank or so. Pulling the ship 360 tons over a real mountain in the middle of nowhere. The next town was 1,400 kilometers away where you could make a phone call or buy, buy a torchlight battery. Pulling this real ship over a real mountain in one single piece was not done for the sake of realism. When you look at the film, uh, the moments where the ship goes over the mountain looks transformed into an operatic event. It looks unreal. And that's a strange thing, a very strange twist, that something extremely factual, extremely naturalistic, realistic, transforms into, into a great scene of opera, a great event of opera. And to achieve that is a very strange uh, procedure. On the other hand, Roger, I knew pulling a ship over a mountain, <clears throat> which was, has no precedent in technical history, so you have no, no one who, to help you. In real life, you. they took the ship apart. Oh, sure, they, yeah. they, they, would, they would transport uh, ships over, uh, across uh, uh, Peru and put it together on Lake Titicaca, high up in the mountains but, but uh, disassembled in, in hundreds of pieces and some engineers would put it together. Any idiot can do that. So, but <laughs> the strange thing is, and I knew it before, I knew that doing this in, for real would create things that not the most fertile imagination could, could ever envision. And things happened, or for example, just the sound of the, of the hull uh, croaking and screaming and farting and, and, and yelling out uh, is something no sound man on earth would ever have invented. And, and little details and, and incidents happened that became part of the film, which uh, uh, all of a sudden is very rich in life. It's very much alive. Yes. And it comes because we didn't choose to shoot in a studio. And it's not that I'm looking out for the dangers and, and for the adventure stuff. I hate adventure, and I can't stand the concept of, of adventurism. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, ridiculous. I mean, the, the, where it became really obviously ridiculous was, was the time, at the early time of the century, when people tried to reach the poles, South and North Poles, as the first ones in, in history. How totally stupid and ridiculous that was. And, and it, it signaled the end of, of some, some sort of a deeper quest of something medieval or more ancient, a quest where, where you went into the unknown and you would find uh, a, a vision and you would fulfill something and you would come back richer. You are not richer, any richer by, by, by setting your trample on some, some piece of ice and, and you establish, aha, this is the North Pole. So, what? I uh, someone should go up to Werner Herzog at Whole Foods, I guess, and, and tell him that he was on Movie Night Extravaganza for Adventure Month, and watch him get pissed off. Apparently, but that's that's, that's great. <laughs> they uh, they uh, they bring me on this this stupid podcast, this podcast <laughs> that who, who's watching this podcast, and they say that I'm the adventure director. I hate adventure. I like he's just talking trash about Polar Expedition too. How stupid. 
<laughs> Pointless. <laughs> There's something about him that, like, you know, as someone that was, like, raised by a German artist, like my grandma, like, yeah. There's something very, like, there, there's something about him that reminds me of, like, her energy. Because she would, yeah. she would like, say something, like, something that you wouldn't expect at all. And she'd be like, how stupid and ridiculous. And, like, quietly <laughs> say that. I'd be like, all right, whoa. Like. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing like uh, someone uh, speaking to you about music that's, that's very Teutonic, that like, come from a German perspective. It's, it's yeah. incredibly matter-of-fact, whether it's positive or negative. It's, there's... <laughs> She also really liked opera. She, that was her thing. She liked classical. We saw uh, your magic flute. So maybe that's the. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I have an Oma. And, but also, too, I remember my pop up would take baths and he would always be blasting that polka music. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of. Well, is that? I mean, I guess it's like Bavari Bavarian. There's de there's definitely different regions of Germany that people that like. What is his name? Freddie Quinn. He's a guy that my woman would loves listening to. She also is a huge ABBA fan. Interesting. I imagine if instead of Caruso, he was blasting polka music in the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a totally different movie. Yeah. Equally as powerful. He wanted to bring polka <laughs> to the jungle. <laughs> yeah, imagine, imagine, uh, imagine Native Americans hearing polka, or like, polka, you know, polka. indigenous tribe, like hearing polka for the first time. Like, it's <laughs> hearing that sweet oompa from that little Victrola. <laughs> they, they, turn, they just turn tail and dip, and it's like, ah, we, we want no part of this. Nah, so whatever, okay. whatever this is, whatever whatever this thing is coming to the jungle. Yeah, whatever it is, we don't want any part of it. <laughs> <laughs> like Frank Yankovic must sing to the masses. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting that he disdains the adventure movie, right? Like it's sort of like, but but I get what he's saying that, like he's more interested he didn't, in. He didn't as much say movies as like adventure like, adventures yeah, themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like label. He's not a romanticist, really. He's like right. a ultra realist, right? Yes, that's that's well said, Billy. Because because it, it's totally true. Because because think about what this movie is. This is a, Fitzgeraldo again, the character, not the actual guy, is a dreamer. Like he has a he has a dream and it's everybody laughs at it except for Claudia Cardinale. He has a dream. Uh, he has a song. His, his, his dick is so good that she's like, oh, I can't laugh at this guy's dream. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> man's he punching above his weight class. It's okay. He says he's Irish. And I believe him. <laughs> right, it's like the least believable thing about everything about him. <laughs> but but it's he has a thing that he a vision, and, and he tr he's trying to get other people to like believe in this vision. And goes to these just extraordinarily beyond absurd, past the point, way past the point of absurdity, just unreal lengths to attempt to achieve it. And doesn't, but then kind of does, like, because he does bring opera to the jungle, technically speaking. What do you think yeah, it was like when Herzog was pitching, getting investors for the movie? I want to go to the jungle, but bring the boat really over the mountain the real way, and we will have Mick Jagger in it. And he will play a character who is not right in head. I, I feel like I feel like that pitch might have gone well because Mick Jagger's in it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Have been like, right. you know what? We'll, totally, we'll, we'll totally. Invest in this. But Mick then Mick Jagger drops out. And Leo uh, oh. Bars gets fucking you know dysentery, right? Jason Robards, and then so like his next pitch to the investors that are already putting money in is like, okay, I have a new idea. We are just right. going to bring Klaus Kinski to the jungle, 
and we are going to make sure that he goes crazy in the jungle. It's going to be it's like 12,000 miles or something they said from where you can actually get out of the jungle. Like we're going to leave him in the jungle and we're going to find real natives to play the natives and I'm going to make a deal for the land. And then, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to get some prostitutes. <laughs> right. The priest said so. The priest said it was a good a idea. Too, he, he said in the movie where they, he's like, are you still to make the film? And he's like, yes, because I wouldn't refuse to live like a man without dreams or something like that. Right? Yeah. yeah. And he also says, if I don't make this movie, I'm going to die. He's like, I would yeah. rather die than not make this movie. <laughs> and and like, he doesn't want to make a film about the natives. Well, yeah, and even like he mentions that, um, like the natives themselves are like playing a role. Like the actual natives are are playing the role of like the natives for the for the function of of the story. But it isn't really their belief system or their culture that they're presenting. No. It's, it's it's what's which is in which is like there's been accusations of it being cultural appropriation and this and I mean the normal kind of things you can imagine for for some for something of this time, right? But it's also like, well, but is it? Like I mean, well, I, the, I, the very the well, very first documentary that anybody ever made was uh, Nanook of the North, and it was right. it, it was one of those stupid adventures where somebody did go like pretty much uh, Robert Flaherty went to the fucking pretty much to the North Pole with yeah. a camera and then met a bunch of like Inuit and told them to do stuff they wouldn't normally do, brought it back to the states or you know what I mean like brought it back to like uh, you know California or New York or whatever and was like this is what the natives do like this is a realistic movie yeah so they look like this yeah <laughs> so, it's so but they're like they did like these these ancient spear fishing techniques that like nobody had done it's since never existed DC or whatever like so he had them do all this stuff it's interesting to watch Herzog uh be like yeah this is not what they would do normally they're just kind of playing an act or whatever and it's like all right well but, you know, it's a very colonial colonialist perspective in a way right you're kind of looking at these kind of wild people that you don't even understand and the characters like don't understand them but at the same time it's like that's very realistic because from their perspective that's how they probably appeared to them right absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. and i enjoyed the fact that they learned a new um uh you know racial term um uh from this movie because i i was not expecting the whole bare asses um it's the mestizo characters calling the indigenous tribal people bare asses too which adds like it's it's an, it's kind of an ancient uh racial dimension to stuff i guess like the you know the spanish conquistador style um racial hierarchy but it's like kind of interesting like the one the one guy that is sent as like a spy pretty much to deal with um to deal with like you know Fitzcarraldo shit like the spy or whatever is like I don't want to fuck with those bare asses and that's like the most <laughs> tribal people so it's like it's interesting a lot to unpack yeah <laughs> I mean it's complicated right like it, in, a, in a in a good way I think like in a way that yep, absolutely I'm glad you can't make this movie now I'm sure everyone involved is glad you can't make this movie now except for Werner Herzog but like I'm glad they made it, you know? Like it's 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 insane filmmaking. That's like it's actually insane. And and I love I I don't know, I love it. I think it's great. I think that it's um it's okay to be unique, right? And again, this is someone that like has done unique things his entire life creatively. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um this is uh this is the 
hold on. I have like multiple. So this is him talking about the arrows. This is right before in the um in oh, yeah. the Roger Ebert uh interview that he does. He's talking about people getting shot with arrows on, on set. <laughs> Which sounds like it was like low on the list of concerns, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so many of your films involve an element that is not only beyond your control but threatens your life. Stanley Kaufman said that your films are about risking death in many cases. When you think of going into the into the jungles of Peru and going into this is not a risk. Any well, any idiot can do it without being harmed. It is not a risk except that people were killed by arrows that when your group was attacked. No, nobody was actually killed, oh, but, good, but huh? one man was shot with a very huge arrow through the throat. Oh, and <laughs> I met him a few months ago. He, 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 can, uh, he can even sing by now. He was very proud. Well, you should, <laughs> you can, that would qualify as a risk to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, but other, 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 well, one, another person, his, his wife was shot by three arrows that were seven feet tall arrows with uh, arrowheads that, that long and, and razor sharp made out of bamboo. And, and she was shot into the abdomen and the one arrow broke at the inside of her pelvis and one was deflected from her pelvis. And the third one, very narrow one to the other, went to, through uh, her body just above the kidneys. And we Oof. had to operate. Uh, on, on our kitchen table in the cab because they, they, we couldn't transport them anymore. They would have died. So for eight <laughs> hours we, we uh, um, operated on them and I assisted with a torchlight uh, lighting the, 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 the abdominal cavities and, and with the other hand I would spray the mosquitoes away. So we, <laughs> there are tough moments you have to go through them. When, <laughs> If I can continue my point a little bit, because <laughs> the, uh, the Tarzan movies were shot in Burbank. <laughs> and you, you have spoken to me in the past of the voodoo of location, of the notion that the film has to take place in the right place for the film. For example, you used some of the locations of Murnau's Nosferatu mm -hmm. for your Nosferatu. Uh, you went onto the top of a volcano that was scheduled to explode, and if it had done so, oh, we would have been gone. You sure. would have been killed. <laughs> you were once on top of a, of a mountain, stupid. and you were covered Sorry. with snow. But, but uh, Roger, this thing about the volcano is, is more a singular event because it was kind of stupid and blind lottery. And we, know, we knew that if it would explode with the force of a couple of atomic bombs, Hiroshima-size, we would be airborne. That's what I told the cinematographer. He was scared and he, he said, but Werner, what's going to happen if, if, it, if it lasts? I said, we will be airborne. So, and, and I asked him, are you still with us? And he said, yes, I'm going to be with you. So, but that was the only stupid blind gamble. Well, but I, what, what, yeah. I, what, what I'm see is that frequently you seek out a story in which there are elements in the story that involve the kind of courage or risk or effort that leads, for example, when you use Bruno uh, S., he is yeah. a person who is not controllable in the way that uh, a Hollywood actor is, although he may be more yeah. intelligent than a Hollywood actor. <laughs> Um,
Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. The whole uh, the whole Eros thing is fucking insane. Like, that's one of the more insane totally. stories about this movie. Yeah, like like the just just it happened at night. They just rode up on some boats and started shooting arrows at people. It's like, like it, you know, it's it's um, it's almost like what what uh, 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 Boys in the Hood is about, except you know, on a boat with arrows. Well, then that's not even part of the movie. You, if you watch the movie, you'd never even know that happened. Yeah. Most of the crazy shit about that movie is only because you hear about later the making of the fucking thing. Yeah. Right. And I mean, yeah, but like at the same time, like you, there is like a, I think there is a scene where you have the arrows, like you see the where the arrows struck or something, and they use the actual part of the the boat or something that the arrows had struck like there there is like a little uh homage to something you don't know that, that happened until you watch burden of dreams yeah See, i would save this arrow it has some blood on it for my son maybe he'll be impressed that <laughs> someone is shot by this <laughs> well and there's a there's a great another burden of dreams scene that's great is when he's like they're staging the shot of everybody in the boats and they're all knocked up with the arrows and and uh, ready mm-hmm. to, to 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 shoot. And they're like, "I hope they don't decide to like take a shot at us." Like it seems like they mm-hmm. might get bored be doing this because they're they're staging the shot for forever and they're all like aiming at them. And it's like all they need is like one of these guys to, like let loose and uh, it's curtains. Yeah, because they were only filming during the golden hour, which is like this, this right. brief time where you're getting great sun. Um, it's the uh, <laughs> it's the days of heaven uh, thing, like the Terrence Malick thing, where where yeah. that's you, it's like this one hour period right at sundown that looks amazing looks amazing it does. well the other thing is if they had taken uh herzog out they could have just gone home right like <laughs> there's, there's, there's that added dimension to it where it's like they're living that's true. in this really yeah. fucked up little camp uh, that's segregated and um you know like uh they like the, the white the white slash procedural people have like the prostitutes but like the native americans or the native you know the native peruvians don't and like you know, all all that has to happen because they're the whole time they're grumbling about how they want to leave, they want to go home. Yeah, a lot of the time. So all they have to do is take out Herzog, and they could have been like, but then they wouldn't get the land. I guess that's like a, it's a plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's such a weird dichotomy too, right? Because like he's uh, again, at one point Klaus Kinski is like, "Hey, make me some arrows." And he's like paying them like the equivalent of like a day's wages for like an arrow, and it takes them like five minutes to like make an arrow. They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, like there's all these just random little like tidbits and side quests that basically could every one of them could be a movie in and of themselves. And, yeah. and it's it's all to this greater purpose of the of this film. And it's just fascinating to see that again, I, I think. Invoking Tropic Thunder actually does make sense for this, right? Because that's one of the things that is illuminating. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. I, 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 and because from a far distance, it is comedic. Of course, it is. Except for the fact that you're like, I don't want to be around when like Klaus Kinsey is going into like a rage, which seems to be like hourly. Yeah, <laughs> hourly. You're like every fifteen minutes. It seems when they're not just filming, when they're not on uh, camera. Uh, the funnier part of the arrows thing is that Klaus Kinsey's paying them like three fifty an arrow, right? Which is like yeah. more than they make in a day. And yeah. then immediately that guy's three fifty gets snatched up by a, a Peruvian photographer that's like, Oh, you pay me three fifty and I'll take a picture of you and your family on this Polaroid. So there's like this there's this deal going on inside of the actual camp where the guy seems really happy that he like kinda of, kinda of scammed Klaus Kinsky and then he's like, Oh, can I have a picture? And yeah. like the narrator's like his money immediately gets taken by the, you know, the mosquito <laughs> photographer. That it is the circle of chumps. 
<laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's 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 kind of remarkable, and I think that three fifty seems like a lot for a Polaroid. Like even like even <laughs> even, even back then, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's it, it's so weird. Like I feel like the the movie Fitzcarraldo, absent of like any of this other stuff, I think is very interesting and very cool, and comes from that time period of it just being like the idea of cgi obviously wasn't a thing right <laughs> but like there's something about like you can like s the sweat just pours off of this movie in every aspect including oh, yeah. in, in in the actual opera house it's like it looks like they're trying to do something that shouldn't be there and it's going to be removed like a virus yeah is but, which like. is something that uh, I don't think like filming on location, right? Like filming on like in a studio or something, you could not re redo that, right? Like you could not yeah. the sweat that's on them, the you know the actual jungle stuff, the noises that they're capturing with the audio mic and everything. Like you can't replicate that in the studio as much as you want to. I mean, you could kind of create your own little world and and have, but like it wouldn't be authentic. It wouldn't really, hit the same. You know, right. Even that that air is really thick, you know. Like the way the voice yeah. sounds, everything, you know. It's it's you got to be there. Everyone's always like toweling themselves off, and <laughs> like it's, it's, it's yeah, it's which is that uh, great line that Herzog has where he says, uh, you know, with the prostitution and everything going on, like the jungle sweats it out. It's like yeah. you know whatever kind of mortal <laughs> sin I guess you have going on in the jungle, or like uh, <laughs> crime, like the the jungle takes that and sweats it out of itself, oh. and it's like it's not even obscene. It's not even obscene. Oh, <laughs> Which, like, Klaus Kinski's the one guy who... I, I think those photo shoots he did were hilarious, where he's just on the tree, like, fucking Donald Trump Jr. or whatever, when he took the, the <laughs> log picture. Like, yeah, right, totally, like, yeah. That, totally. That's hilarious. But, like, Klaus Kinski's apparently the one person that, despite not going into the jungle by himself uh, and bitching about it, like, he's the one person that was like, this isn't obscene, this is great. And Herzog's like, no, it is murder and death. And the violence <laughs> and obscenity. <laughs> it's like I love Even it. Even the birds. Yeah, he like runs out of words at that one point in the end clip where he's like, "It's like a uh, a dime store novel, some kind of novel." <laughs> it's like you you ran out of descriptive. descriptive. The birds don't like, sing; they screech in pain. It's like, wow, Jesus Christ, dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least that one bird that like they showed the bird that the that the native killed for like supper or whatever yeah that bird yeah. probably screeched yeah, well that one definitely <laughs> screeched yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, they're like they're like taking the feathers off which like i don't know it seems kind of almost it does seem kind of obscene almost because like i've only seen those like those kinds of parrots as like pets you know what i mean like yeah 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 these are that's definitely not what's happening there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh shall we do uh some letterbox one liners here yeah so uh Billy, I'm going to address this to you. Yep. Uh, Letterboxd is a social media site for film lovers to talk at, with, and to each other about the films they love. Maybe okay. the uh, films that they didn't love. They, everyone gets to opine, not just the Siskels and Eberts of the world. Ebert mm -hmm. was actually on this show, apparently. Uh, everybody gets to have their say. And, of course, this is best expressed succinctly. So uh, keep it short, unlike this show, and unlike Fitzgerald mm -hmm. itself. And uh, make your point, uh, get in, get out. Uh, so that's what this is. We throw them, we collate the best of the reviews on Letterboxd and put them on the screen and talk about and react them. So these are the Letterboxd okay. one-liners for Fitzcarraldo. So let's go. 
What I think I like best about Klaus Kinsty is that whenever he shows up in a movie, right from the first shot, you're thinking, here's a normal kind of fella about to have some normal style adventures. Definitely not what I first think. Like, like even even his hair and like his clothing style, and this is just it's just a little off. It's just off enough that you're like, well, I mean, when you first see him, he's sopping wet, but like not just that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like a frantic um, uh, Colonel Sanders and <laughs> frantic. You, you know, missing that One mustache, that struck, though. But you know, you notice in the beginning, like when he's when he's like with the kids, like how genuinely like. Uh, nice he looks like he smiles his radiant smiles this horrible monster asshole human being like has these parts in the in the beginning where he's really like shows this charm which is really kind of strange i'll be honest (laughs) that must be how he landed claudia cardinale i mean i don't know no other reason and the pig he's like i'd rather live in this house with all these kids and like i bet you would fucking monster wow (laughs) and the pig yeah, <laughs> what, what do you do? What do you do to the pig? That's who he's getting the opera house for too. It might be like a son of Sam situation. I don't know. Yes. Imagine if Klaus Kinski was the first white person you ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my man was uh you know he's he's what he's what they call a like white boy crazy you know like. That's uh... <laughs> true. That's true. Apocalypse now for theater kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, apocalypse now for the kids that sat inside and read novels, time store novels. <laughs> it works. Fitzcarraldo is such a good lover, he convinced the rich lady to buy him a whole damn boat. And then she's like, Yo, let me come with you. And he's like, Nah, you stay here <laughs> in your in your mansion brothel thing. Like, I'm I'm going out to fuck in the jungle, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Turns out she's better off. It seems well, he's yeah. going out to fuck. He's not going out to fuck in the jungle. He's going out to fuck the jungle. He's copulating on that tree. <laughs> the, the description of that is so fucking funny. This is Nathan Fielder's natural endpoint. Yes. <laughs> do, you know, do you know Nathan Fielder, Billy? The uh no. The the rehearsal, Nathan for you. Oh, he's the curse. It's great. Uh-oh. No. He's like, I'd like to I'd like to buy a ship. Uh-huh. <laughs> that that won't be a good one if you don't know who that guy is. One of those <laughs> movies that you could just tell literally everyone involved in it was a crazy person. And I'm so glad because no sane brutal could have made anything close to this magnitude. Yeah. I, I like I like that the 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 fat uh captain guy, right? Like that guy literally seems like he's just that character. Like he he in the burden of dreams, uh thing, he's explaining like the ballast of the ship, and it's like is this guy just like a cat? Like, is this an actor or is this like, did you guys just find a captain that like, <laughs> just, just find a guy, just a guy that just, he's yeah, captain. he's a guy that does captaining and we need a captain. <laughs> oh, maybe. I don't know. The least expected happy ending of all time. True. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a big part of me that's just like, yeah, they're going to die in the rabbits, right? Like, it seems know? like a natural thing to expect. Right? Yeah. Like, like his corpse gets washed up and that's the end. Yeah. The it end. Looks, exactly the, looks exactly the same. Yeah. It turned into a feel-good film. (laughs) Despite being in the water, they're like he's been missing for like a month. The corpse, like you know, washes up and it just looks like the the same guy. It's a feel-good film of the monsoon season. (laughs) Oh, I thought uh, the feel-good film of the monsoon season was the Hidden Fortress. No, that's that's a hotly contested. It's a yeah. (laughs) 
Either this dude just tried to drag a ship over a mountain, or I'm going a little too heavy on the 420 celebrations. Rex Reed, High Times Magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God we we as a species finally came to recognize that making movies about boat slash trip (laughs) ship trips through the jungle is always a bad idea. Yeah, it feels like a stage of evolution that we're at. It's like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe don't do that. At least, at least, not the real version of it. Like maybe right. don't actually take a, a boat into the like. Yeah. Don't do it for Apocalypse Now. Don't do it for Platoon. Don't do it for Fitzgerald. I mean, there's that Sandra Bullock, uh, Channing Tatum movie that came out. I'm pretty sure they didn't actually go to the jungle. For yeah, you know, you know, you no, know, no, that was a CG jungle. If you've ever seen one, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, is it? Ah, I didn't know. The uh, what was it, like the blind spot? So so convincing. Like, yeah. The uncanny valley of uh, terrible jungles. <laughs> Frequently awe-inspiring, but if we're being real, the most insane thing our boy does is leave Claudia Cardinale at home. Hips before ships, always. At least somebody <laughs> got a horny post out of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Way to go, Anna. <laughs> Justifiable. Yes, me. Thank you. That guy really likes opera. <laughs> 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 I mean, really, you he know, does. <laughs> yes. Find a man who loves you as much as he loves as that. Klaus Kinski loves opera. I would have my opera house. <laughs> That's it, it, right. It, it doesn't hit the same way with the Mick Jagger being like, "Oh, you need opera house." <laughs> so those have letterbox one-liners for Fitzcarraldo. Please follow the show at our HQ account at Movie Night Extra. We are posting up stories of all the great episodes, all the great movies that we cover, and so much more. Uh, you can also follow your host there, uh, Arinko Forest. I see what you did there. The Steamship Contractor at Always Flacco. He's on Letterboxd. I, of course, and the Jungle Opera Proprietor at Kona Neutron on Letterboxd, reading all the highbrow stuff, the midbrow, the populist fair. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge. Uh, I'm all over that biz. J. Andrew World will boat for music. Will boat for music. Is boating yes. a verb? That's a verb. <laughs> sure. It is now. Uh, at right about now, too, he is all over Letterboxd and uh, watching all the weirdest stuff. So you don't have to. Maybe Sue can. It's not for me to judge. Uh, at um, Christina, this is awkward. I don't know why I'm pointing. That's supposed to be terrible for the podcast <laughs> listeners. Um, is logging stuff as she feels so fit uh, to do so. Uh, she is on Letterboxd as well. And normally I would use this moment to kick it to Andy for the plugs, but I think we have uh, something special for tonight. Don't yeah, we? we have a we have a sponsor, uh, a brand new sponsor. Ah, what a and wild idea! Skip company. <laughs> Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Yebiga. A Balkan Rakia spirit, plum brandy, this brings Serbia to the American shores in an authentic and appreciative way. Care of Billy Gould, basis for faith no more, and Rakia appreciator. Rakia is a traditional spirit enjoyed at weddings, funerals, and life events. However, more and more, it's being enjoyed everywhere, on a night out with friends, or as a casual drink. Get a bottle today in liquor stores and bars across America. Go to yabiga.com to see where it's available near you. Fantastic. I'd like to add, you can also order it on the website. Uh, there you go. And I and, and I can say I have been to a social event and got faded on Rakia and was great. Yeah. <laughs> I know you were right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah. And uh Baba Yaga on that label, right? That's a uh no, she was this is Baba Lubica. She oh, uh, she different Baba. Rakia. Sorry. Yeah, different Baba. Baba Yaga kills people. That's right. Baba Lubica yeah. just made Rakia. Look, it's our first time out of the gate. I'm not gonna get all the Babas, all right? <laughs> 
You got Baba Louie. You got Baby Huey. Baba Ran. Baba Louie. But, uh, you got Alibaba coming up in uh, the, the next Creeping Tuesday. on a come up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's true. Yeah, we're doing Lawrence of Arabia, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a good one. Like, oh, no, we're actually doing that film. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so very, very pleased to uh, to have Rocket, which I, I to be clear, I never, did not know what it was before uh, before you, Billy, but it is very good. So a lot of people don't. And that's kind of why I'm involved in because it's amazing. I've been drinking it for 30 years and uh, I couldn't get stuff here that I had over there. And now I'm bringing it here. So it's really awesome. So yeah, cool. Glad, glad. I watched the interview where you were talking about um, how you like with like you, you had two Serbian guys that were interviewing you. You're talking about how you would like put it in your suitcase and just like fill yeah. up with as much uh, Rocky as you could. And then you're like coming to the U S like, I should just start a company and like, uh, <laughs> You know, just basically, yeah, 9-11 happened and you had to kind of start the company. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you get a broken bottle, I mean, you're basically screwed and you until the next time you go out there. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just tough. You know, that's a lot of sweat equity for uh, one bottle. That's <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, a Fitzcarraldo level of sweat equity. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a pulling the ship over the hill. <laughs> you know, and if I wanted to digress a little bit, I mean, this is wood fired stills up in the hills in, in Serbia. And like, you know, we we're doing plum picking and i had to go up into the forest these guys had cut wood for the still and it, it gets a little amazon up there i yeah, would yeah. say you know i love it where's that herzog documentary we'll have to yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. oh, come, come to serbia yeah to someone post up to the whole foods let's get them on deck to the top, to the top yeah, of exactly. the mountain they said in the whole foods this is <laughs> the best rock here that you can possibly get yes. so i had to travel up the mountain there might be a volcano up here. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Jander World, take us away with the plugs, please. All right. You're watching us on YouTube, so please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell. And, of course, the big ask, as always, watch the video to the end. That actually allows other film uh, fans to find our content. And you get to hear a great Gone Neutron song at the end. Casey missed it at the beginning, too. You know, it's the same song. That's okay. We love it. <laughs> we love it. It's um, a, uh, second to last time, too, because it's a uh, last last that's the movie night adventure theme so yeah yeah or third to last time we got uh two more are we doing uh no, yeah it doesn't matter whatever <laughs> yeah yeah i just i don't want to january's almost over days, uh, episode yeah but yeah anyways uh if you're over on uh uh <laughs> this is this is what this is this is what happens really in a while this is uh yeah this is andy if you're over on Twitch, um, throw us a sub. What's uh, great is uh, you can subscribe for free if you have an Amazon Prime account. It does not cost you a penny. Actually helps us out a lot, and we thank you uh, for doing it either way. Yep. Um, find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky. Um, wait, uh, Threads. Threads, that's it. Threads. And uh, probably a few more that I'm not listing. No, uh, that that's, that's pretty much most of Truth them. Truth Social. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that joke is never not funny to me. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Donald Trump retweeted me. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, he retruthed you. Yeah, you retruthed me. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> weird. But but anyways, yeah. Um, but find us on your social media of choice and uh, follow us and say hi, because uh, we, we enjoy hearing from people. We have a Discord now. Um, so please go, go join our Discord. Uh, we're having some fun conversations over there. It was, Popping it was cool. off. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Oh, uh, and 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 we're gonna be we're gonna start doing watch parties, movie watch parties right. in the Discord. 
probably Sunday evenings because I want to stream on Friday. So, and also too, it might be Renee Fridays as well. So yes, 8 p.m. Eastern Sunday, we're going to watch Oppenheimer. Again. questionably Sunday. legal oh, cool. but, but not questionably fun very fun yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> happening in the discord or maybe not who knows we'll find out depends on who's asking yeah that's why i'm here right also we we do have a patreon and uh the patreon helps us produce this program so if you go over there and join you get the extra the added bonus of getting access to all of our after parties which is like Bonus content for our members. Um, we're doing an after party tonight. Uh, we're going to be going over all of the Oscar announcements today. Yep. Um, so, which is a big, I've actually shielded myself from them. So, so I'll be like uh, getting oh. this for the first time. Um, like on those quiz shows where they have like the, <laughs> the person that has to guess the answers. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I got a few of them got spoiled for me, but like I, I've, I've tried to keep off uh, the internet for the most part. Spoiler. Um, so, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm looking forward to actually like hearing who's got nominated. There you go. So that's coming up next. That and that is the snubs and the predictions too. Yep. So yeah, that that's uh, look forward to that. And I think uh, KT is joining us for that. I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's what she told me. So uh, there we go. Yeah, we have uh, we have a. Uh, <laughs> why would she tell you something different? Is there some reason why she <laughs> give you false information? <laughs> <laughs> She like drives by my house and like you know yells at me like uh uh Mufume did to uh, Kira Kurosawa. It's <laughs> a deep cut from last episode. All right, there you go. There we go. There you go. Um, but uh Coden, you, you've been uh yes. sitting there with Protonic Reversal uh, right behind you. Yes, yes. a show a show that uh, our guest Billy Gould has been on a couple times. It's probably on again. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Sorry, my bad. Um, yeah, uh weekly. I moved up to two times a week recently, but just had Steve Bartek of Oingo Boingo on, and that was great. Uh, he was awesome. Uh, really brilliant musician, done a lot of uh, cool composition stuff. That's actually going to be first of uh, two parts. Uh, and then Zach Blair, who uh, <laughs> uh, I know him from Hagfish, uh, but also plays in Rise Against, which is a very popular band, and Guar. He plays in Guar. Wait. So that <laughs> So that was... Wow. Pretty entertaining. Um, and that's that's only up for the patrons right now, but that'll be released to the general feed later this week. Uh, $1 a month early access is, is what that is. And uh, yeah, I've been stepping up production in the, the old podcast factory. So if people want to join up on that, it's great. Yeah. And uh, of course, if you uh, you want to get some Code of Neutron and the Secret Friends music, you can do that over at neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. And of course, the new one is um, Adult Forum. <laughs> Yes, it is. It's still the new one, Andy. You're yes. Just making sure there wasn't one that came out between, like, you know, yeah. the last time I checked my notes. Fair enough. Yeah, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com, learning curve records. Um, yeah, I actually have, I, I technically speaking, I have to wait till tomorrow, but we're playing Los Angeles and San Francisco with McCluskey uh, March 4th and March 5th. So uh, Bay Area people, we have like two, a couple of the dates we're doing as well, but th those two are uh, announcing tomorrow morning. So anyone that's in California and the LA or SF area, come out, say hello. Exciting. It's right. doubly exciting that like the San Francisco show is rescheduled twice before this. <laughs> I'm glad it's actually happening. <laughs> Finally going to play that one. Yeah. And uh, uh, you just announced all this uh, lineup for uh, Catterwall. Check this out. Check out the production values for this. 
Boom! There it is, yeah. people. Caterwall 2024, May 26th, 29th in Minneapolis. 43 different bands. Four-day passes on sale now. Uh, and single-day passes coming up as well as schedule and all that. But we're uh, very, very exciting to uh, hmm. very, very exciting here. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I'm cool. gonna have to check. I'm gonna have to check my my casting schedule because I might be able to make it. There you go. All right, it's even more reason to come out. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out Lung and uh, Scrunchies because I met them last year yeah, and they were right. very nice. So, we got, so like, <laughs> Brainiac's playing, Thrones is playing, Austerity Program is great. Like, it's um, there's there's a whole lot of rad stuff happening. I, yeah. Don't know if I'm supposed to say if Oxbow's playing or not, but Oxbow's playing also. So. You ever play with those guys, Billy? Never did. At least when we might have a long, long time ago. But I don't think so. Yeah, they've been around a long time. They're they're fantastic. Yeah. Replicator played yeah. with them like way back when. So that's like, you know, it's been a while. But yeah, it, it's it's gonna be a great time for people into freaky, noisy music. Maybe we can convince Billy to show up with his Rocky. He you you have Rocky in Minnesota, right? We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do. Absolutely. Could work. Work. How many state? How many states is it then? How many? Uh... Eleven right now. Nice. Which isn't, you know, that's a that's a bigger achievement than it sounds because every state has different laws, right? and different yeah. licensing. It's a it's a brutal process. A bunch of the ones I, I feel like. I mean, I don't know necessarily for licensing, but like uh, just for you know going to a liquor store, like uh, in the the entire like New England, each fucking state has like wildly different laws. Like some of them are That's like, right. oh, like we don't even fucking sell it on Sundays. You can't even come here. Oh yeah. Like, oh, we decided we, we we decided that like we weren't gonna have the bars open on New Year's Eve, but we'll have like the bars open for the Super Bowl this year. Like Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> Priorities. I think, uh, yeah. I think it's New Hampshire that you could get the fireworks and fucking liquor in the same place yep. too like that's like yeah that's right yeah <laughs> yeah we, we uh jokingly what call like Glasgow Tijuana because like you cross the border and it's just nothing but like liquor stores and, and fireworks <laughs> there you go what's next Andy um oh Christina's over there uh on Twitch yes. uh or, you know probably right now uh on Twitch yes. yeah yeah exactly Only there's some way to know I don't know <laughs> I never check Twitch um but anyways, yeah, uh, you know, check her out. She's she's on there uh several days a week. Uh yeah, you got the um I am doing a subathon this Saturday, the 27th, starting at 7 a.m. where I'm gonna be doing my own hot ones challenge. That's right. For every 10 subscribers I receive, I'm gonna go up a Scoville level. Now, the last the last app experience didn't have a Scoville level, y'all, but now it's like over two million on the Scoville level. I'm gonna go from 60. 6,020 like, numbers. Like, who, who's who's the one that decides what the score is? There, like, James, yeah, it's Mr. Scoville. Scoville. James the, hot, Scoville. the Hot Ones Academy. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I'm testing out the same batch that Cardi B did and NSYNC did. So, watching them, I'm like, okay, I'll know what I'm getting myself into. Okay, I think I'll be fine. But I got cheese, I got bread, I got milk. I have to get Tums apparently, and also everyone's like, "You're gonna get diarrhea." I'm like, "What's wrong with a little diarrhea every now and then?" Yeah, it depends. It depends on where. It really does. Yes. <laughs> uh, I also would recommend buttermilk, uh, especially whenever you get to the spicier stuff. But uh, yeah, didn't expect there to be so much diarrhea discussion during the plugs, but here we are. So. Yes, well, um, but but if you wanted to help out Christina to, to buy that uh, Tums, she has a. Uh, uh, a Patreon. 
Hey, checks notes. Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Patreon.com. Hey, I was really happy with the transition, and then I kind of forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> Typical. Yeah, there we go. See, Billy, this is why I, I pre recorded the ad read. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, the ad read went so well. It's, it's just like. <laughs> Why couldn't the rest of these get so long? Yes. But but uh, if everybody wants to know, go check out Billy. Uh, you know, his work with uh, Faith No More. Um, you know, one of my favorite bands. Um, as well as uh, The Talking Book. And... Uh, Talking Book's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I hope I'm saying this right, because I've never heard anybody pronounce it before. But was it Brujeria? Yeah. Uh, Brujeria. Oh, man. Let's take it. Which I, I haven't been in the band for 20 years but that's, okay. that's been a long time <laughs> why is that the one you pulled up i don't know because it's also on his uh cool era records label ah it is, yeah it is. Yep. yes yeah so as well as the uh, film score you just did with uh steve blum from uh the talking book yeah yeah exactly yeah what is that Jared. for what, what that Jared Jared blum. It's, uh, yeah. called the eclipse that's right yeah that's right yeah those are those are my notes so there we go <laughs> cool <laughs> Good, good job, good job uh, getting through those notes, bud. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Mick Jagger to play you in the in the movie adaption of this show. Yes, <laughs> it'll be great. As long as he does whatever he did in um, uh, Free Jack, you know, I'm Free I'm, Jack. Jesus Christ, Free Jack. Okay. But uh, Billy, do you have some final thoughts? Anything that we didn't get to? Uh, for oh, that's Carol, a good though? question. Uh, I can just tell you one Klaus Kinski story. Yeah, lay it on us. Really? Yes, please. Yeah. There used to be a thing in uh, L.A. You could fly to San Francisco. It was called the Midnight Flyer, and uh, you could fly really cheap. It left at midnight from L.A. and would get up to San Francisco, and we'd always go back and forth in there. And one time, you had to wait in line, though, because the tickets would sell out really fast. And I got there around like 10 o'clock at the airport and there's a really long line and uh, I was just pissed off and I was tired. And uh, there's this guy in front of me and he had like this, this fishing hat on. I bumped into him uh, some, for some reason, I wasn't paying attention. And the guy turns around and looks at me and it was Klaus Kinski. And I, I didn't, he gave me this look like, uh, but he had like a fishing hat on. He wasn't, he wasn't a tall guy. And I was like, Oh my fucking God. It was like this weird, like, uh, like all of a sudden I was in a dream. There's Claude Kinsky's bug eyes, like looking at me. And then I tried to act like I didn't recognize him or anything. And he turned around and waited in line. That's my story. But it was amazing. He was, he was completely intense. He looked, he was a complete Nosferatu face. Can you, can you imagine like having a, a problem at your place of employment and Klaus Kinski is the, is the customer with the problem. Can you imagine that? Oh, yeah, actually mm -hmm. I can. I worked retail in the Berkshires. I, I can imagine. Yeah, well. there you go. I'm Germans. Just hopping mad, jumping up and down like a cartoon character, you know, <laughs> shrieking in German. About well, I, I feel, I feel like you have, you have the Billy moment where you can diffuse the situation by not, uh, not engaging. Don't but react. If, exactly. But, but if you do react, <laughs> then you're caught in like a, a German vice grip. So like you, oh, know, you yeah. have that one second. Yes. Where, and, you have, yes. And, he's, and he's the one that decides that one second, right? Like exactly. So you can either be like, I'm sorry. And like, you know, look at the ground and like your, your customer service thing. Or if you he got if you, you, if you have the wrong body language, like, you know, like yes. a cornered animal or something, if you have the wrong body language, things just go downhill. Yeah. He's going to start screaming about in like, a microsecond. 
<laughs> that's right. There, there's that reminds me. There's something to that because there was one. Of the, he was having one of his famous tantrums, and I guess Herzog had like s- smuggled in like a small thing of like chocolate as like a treat for like wrapping the movie or something. Yeah. So he's having this tantrum, and he goes he goes to his tent, and and like tantrum goes on. Herzog comes back with the chocolate, just stands in front of him, and starts eating the chocolate without <sighs> reacting in front of him, and it actually worked. Klaus gets like calmed down because he was so confused; he didn't know like what, what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the way that I heard that story is that chocolate. Don't correct me. Don't cor- don't wait. wait. <laughs> chocolate was such a valuable commodity, so right. it's like oh, okay, gotcha. Chocolate in the entire camp. I want and, that to be true so bad. If it's not true, I'm gonna. I'm no, gonna it, is, so it is true, but it's the last piece of chocolate in the entire camp. Chocolate is like this valuable commodity worth more than money, right? Everybody wants right. to have like something sweet, and they're out of food and stuff. So he ate the fucking chocolate in front of him to show, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, this is my chocolate, yeah. and he just dominated. Kinski that way. Well, but it's also just a kids one. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. All right. Yeah. (laughs) But uh Christina, final thoughts. Uh yeah, this I'm surprised this movie even was made. I'm surprised it 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 exists and how influential it is in the end, but you know, safeguards. (laughs) What a beautiful choice. (laughs) Yeah. Andy, final thought. You know, um, the one thing about movies is that they kind of lie to you. And the the thing about uh, Werner Herzog's no. films is that that he 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 kind of films it in a way that is more honest than a lot of films are, even though it is a, a fictional story. It, it's still um, the honesty of being able to pull that you know boat up a mountain is is um, you know he's not lying to you in that respect. And um, you can actually see that in his films, uh, which well, I think a, is a a very. There's a back and forth in that um, Roger Ebert thing where he says that he lies in his documentaries, but then tells the truth in his fiction, which is just kind of a create like. A... <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, uh, there, there's a documentary that's sitting on a producer's shelf that will never be seen where I play a German person. So, yeah, no, you do lie in documentaries. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, but but yeah, no, there's a, there's an honesty to this film, and that honesty is really what makes it compelling. Um, besides the fact that it, you know, you don't know if they're going to make it up to the top of the mountain, um, you don't know if they're going to make it out alive, and, and you know, you're you're waiting for all of that, but but it's truly that honesty that makes this movie kind of set apart from other films like it. Watching it more than once, you even like. The second time you watch it, you're still you're still like I don't know I still don't know if they're gonna make it out of it. like things might change like <laughs> right yeah yeah they're gonna edit it like Hugo was supposed to be done <laughs> weather conditions are different somehow in the in the movie yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> just just based on like what's happening outside like yeah. it's raining and you're like oh no god damn it now it's raining in the movie like <laughs> exactly. Conan final thoughts yeah look I think this is a singular work of art about the power of a dream no matter how absurd it may seem to others. And of course it does all take place during the great colonial extraction of the Amazon and all the rubber barons, or if you prefer robber barons, all embody, uh, you know, kind of mercenary and heartless horror, but not Fitzgeraldo. He's just really in a Caruso wants people to hear it in the jungle. And it wants an opera box for the pig. Those are the things that he wants. Uh, so yeah, it's an excellent stage of his day. (laughs) It's an excellent offbeat tale. It's all practical effects. Uh, including uh, Boat Going Over the Mountain, Epic Adventure. And it's something that has not and should not be emulated or repeated. 
I would think that's a perfect uh, end note, you know, to, to do this. I would like uh, one last thing. I yeah. want to see you make a movie with Kanye West. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? Think mm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Grizzly, Grizzly Man 2. Start Kanye West. <laughs> Kanye has Your gone out. To have Kanye eaten by a bear. <laughs> no, he's, he's like <laughs> Kanye, Kanye West. Has, you know what? Gone. I wouldn't be surprised if Kanye West got up and started shouting in German. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to uh, jump on to the Oscars 2024 nomination stream in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to Oscar away, talk about the Oscars. Talk about Barbie, talk about Oppenheimer, talk about all the things I hashtagged. In the- Justice for Greta. <laughs> all right. Well, Billy, thanks so much for being on this episode. Thanks, guys. You, Absolutely. Enjoyed the, uh, the ad read. Yeah, had a great time and nice meeting all you guys. Mm-hmm.